I'm going to invite Andy uh, forward in a moment um, to to give the, the message this afternoon based on Luke chapter 6. Uh, Andy is uh, a church planter. He's a pastor uh, living in the Halifax area. He's been a member of PAX North, which is a, a church meeting in the afternoon just like us here in the North End. Uh, but Andy has been kind of on a, on a process, on a journey. Some of you have been tracking with him as he's about to uh, begin uh, services or begin planting in Spryfield, which is just a, a neighborhood outside of the city. I'm sure Andy will share a little bit about that. But we're really glad to have Andy with us. So Andy, I'll invite you forward. Uh, I'm going to uh, pray for you, and then Alistair is going to read the text for us. Andy, why don't you come on up? Awesome. Uh, Father, thank you so much for Andy. Thank you for the work of Mission Spryfield. Uh, we thank you for this text this afternoon, which is intended to build our faith. Uh, as Alistair reads, as Andy preaches, Father, we ask that your spirit would come, that we would actually uh, hear the voice of God speaking to us. Lord, would your voice by your spirit change us, convict us, comfort us, bring us hope? Uh, would Jesus be uh, seen by us in this word? And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke 6, starting at verse 12. In those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks be to God. And thank you, Christ Church. It's really, really good to be here. Uh, I'm excited. And thank you um, for the invitation. Uh, thank you for... You're sharing in uh, the Word of God and the Spirit of God uh, with me today in this church. Uh, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, I do want to say that to all your moms or those of you who have a mom. Uh, been a good day for us. Not really too exciting. We took a walk around Spryfield, just spent some good quality time uh, together as a family. I love um, using the imagery of motherhood when it comes to church planting. As you were mentioning and praying uh, for us, we are planting in Spryfield a church, and we are very excited about that. We have our launch team. There are 26 of us being sent out from Pax North to start this church that we hope to launch week-to-week -week services the end of this year. Of those 26 people, 14 are under the age of nine. So we are starting a kids' church, uh, which is very exciting. But over these last few months, as we have been gathered together as a launch team and uh, taking times at first on Zoom and then not in Zoom and then back and forth, and, and finally we're, we're in person uh, and thankful to be meeting weekly and growing and learning. And I've joked with our group that these are our prenatal classes, uh, that we're learning to give birth uh, to something. Uh, a church. 
None of us have done this before. None, none of us have ever birthed church, so we're leaning hard on Jesus, who has created a lot of churches uh, over the last uh, 2,000 years. Pretty early on, though, um, in the process that started a few months ago, one of our team members uh, used that analogy and said, you know, we're having our prenatal classes, but it already feels like we're having contractions. Uh, we were meeting people in Spryfield, uh, both ourselves, our family, uh, and those on our launch team, like building relationships, which is great. That's what, that's what you want. And we were feeling, well, these people want to be part of something. They're, they're, they're looking for something in Spryfield, whether they're believers or unbelievers. Uh, they do need a church here, which is huge affirmation from the Spirit of God that we're on track and planting in the right area of town. Uh, so recognizing that we were having contractions, we have decided to start two small groups. Uh, so those are hopefully God willing starting in the next few weeks, uh, just working out the details and hoping that we can start to gather people and build interest and care for these people as we look to launch uh, later this year. And to use that pregnancy uh, analogy again, one thing we are excited about is we picked a name. Uh, you were praying for Mission Spryfield. That's kind of like the name you have for your baby when you don't have the, the, a name picked out. You know, oh, we're so excited for baby. But we can be specific now. And the name we're going with is Wayfarer's Church. It comes from a tradition uh, back in England uh, where those who were traveling along the road, uh, if they were tired, if they were weary, hungry, and thirsty, they always knew they could stop at a church building and they would be given bread and drink uh, to refresh them on their journey, where, wherever that was taking them. So we want to be that kind of church. We are making the way of Jesus known to others who are on their way, uh, whether they are you know, multi-generational spryfielders uh, who aren't even aware of their lostness, uh, or maybe an immigrant, a refugee coming from the other side of the world who is looking uh, for a new church home uh, to carry out their walk with Jesus in whom they believe. Uh, we want to be compassionate, to be present for them uh, as a church in Spryfield. Uh, so keep praying for us. Uh, so thankful that many of you are staying in track with us, uh, supporting us. Uh, thank you, Christ Church as a whole, for those prayers and support uh, as well. As we look at Luke chapter 6 today, uh, it's so helpful for me in the way I'm made up uh, to have an assigned text. Uh, I've been preaching a lot in different churches uh, this year, and sometimes uh, the pastor says, preach on whatever you, you would like to. Uh, actually, coming up in a few weeks, I have uh, the situation like, preach whatever you would like to except this, uh, which is odd. I've never really had that one before. But often I, I do have uh, this blessing, and I do think it is a blessing because I'm bound. You know, if it's like preach on the whole Bible or anything in the Bible, there's a lot you can pick from, and that's like half the battle for me. But, but this blessing of being assigned a passage, uh, I love. I can just jump right in. God, this is what you've given me for this people. Let's look at it. And so often, as it is with the assigning of the text, God is in that little detail in my own life personally. Uh, this week, as I've been going deeper and deeper into this text and finalizing 
this sermon, it has been such a medicine for my soul and my anxiety of what we've been going through as a family. Uh, so this is also kind of intermingled with a bit of an update on our church plant slash prayer request slash sermon introduction. Uh, we are offering, or actually we have offered already at this point when I wrote this, and we were offering, but offer has been accepted on a house. Uh, so we're really excited about that, uh, yet it's been a journey. We are first-time homeowners. We have been renting for the last two years in Spryfield, and I didn't know how complicated it was to buy a home. Like, all the details you have to get figured out, all the conversations, uh, all the steps, and everything moves very quickly now with the market. Monopoly did not prepare me for this. Uh, it is a lot more complex uh, than that game has led on. Here we have the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And it isn't just historical information or historical um, skip-over parts. Oh, you know, just a, a few details and a few verses, but, you know, we'll, we'll get on to the, to the good parts of Luke soon. It's not just that. I mean, it's so much more than that. E even in just these small little details of how Jesus started his ministry, we have the unfolding of the glorious hope of the gospel for us, the work of Christ. Uh, it, it matters. And we do have, and we shouldn't shy away from this in the text, a glorious example for us and how we should go about our ministries. And we are all called to uh, ministry, uh, whether it's vocational, church planter, pastor, elder, um, working for an organization that serves the Lord, or, or your job, whether you're a professor, whether you're uh, a tradesperson, as we have prayed for, whether you're retired. We're all working out the call of God in our life to ministry. And Jesus here is our example in the book of uh, Luke. Our hope isn't only in that Jesus took our wrong and our sins, but it's also in that he lived the right way. He actively obeyed the Father, lived the way you and I should have lived. That is our hope. Uh, that is our example. So let's first consider from this passage, as we look at Jesus beginning his work, that Jesus' work starts with prayer. Luke uh, 6, 12, and 13, these first two verses. In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named his apostles. So Jesus is about to start his work, his start his public ministry, and he goes away. He goes up to the mountain, and he is there all night long. Lionel Richie would have loved that. He's there all night long praying before this big decision in his life. A next step, something new. That's something we were doing this week as we were looking, God, what are you calling us to? Is this door on this house open? Do we wait for the next one? What's wise? What's dumb? This is all new to us. So Father, we're making decisions, and yet we're, we're praying, we're committing this all into your hand and, and to your favor. This next step for Christ is his public ministry. 
Uh, a whole a new world is what's beginning to break through. A, a whole new uh, nation of God's redeemed. Uh, just as we see in the first books of the Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel are formed as God's people. We have these 12 disciples coming, being called as this snapshot, this first fruit of God's new people, the church. This is a big step, a step that Jesus modeled and taught. I love what it says later in Luke 10 too, where Jesus is just like explicit. You need to do this for workers, for ministry co-laborers, for disciples. You have to do just as I did. You need to pray for them. Luke 10 too, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now that should be our prayer, to pray for workers, to pray for laborers, to pray for evangelists, to pray for those who will tell the good news uh, to the lost who are wandering aimlessly. I, I hope and I know from, from faith in this text that Christ Church, you exist. Uh, that Wayfarers Church will exist because there have been people in our city and our country, disciples of Christ, who have been praying for more laborers. And without those prayers, we would not exist, and God's kingdom would not grow. Jesus has commanded it, that we pray uh, even for one another to, to be laboring for the kingdom. So much, Jesus says, depends on prayer and our faith in God. In Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. But it wasn't just in the example and the teaching of Christ that we can pull this hope that we should pray when we come to big decisions or, or pray when new work starts, pray when you move locations as a church. It's also in the actual uh, book of Acts, how the first church started and, and grew as they, they were built. Um, they always had this pattern of prayer. When they were finding the replacement for Judas, it says in Acts 1, 24 through 26, they prayed as they made the decision. They left it in the Lord's hands. Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So even through fasting and calling out to God, the Spirit comes and sets apart Barnabas and Saul for the ministry. And also Acts 14.23, when uh, Paul and Barnabas have finished this mission's journey, this mission's trip that we see in the book of Acts, they bless the churches that they have started in this way. It says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with what? With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. An amazing pattern for us. And I hope you draw strength as I draw strength uh, in our time of, of watching other believers uh, walk in this faith of prayer. Uh, I had a first-time experience on Tuesday. It was this week. I got to sit in on my first uh, ordination uh, exam for, for an individual. And it, it was an ordination transfer uh, from... Um, 
another denomination in, into the one that we serve with, Fellowship uh, Atlantic of the Fellowship Baptists of Canada. And I was just so struck uh, by this man's testimony of all these times he's had to move into, into God's call. And often that meant moving from a really nice business job into uh, ministry uh, salary, which I think he said like back in the day, maybe in the, in the 80s when he started, it was like in the, the 20,000 some dollar range. I know it was less than 30, I think he said. Uh, so stepping into faith with a, a vocational change. Uh, stepping into faith from one church into the next, and now stepping in faith years later from Ontario uh, into Nova Scotia, into our city, uh, to pastor a church. And he said when he was coming to this church, he was asked like two, two big questions, and one of them was like, why would you leave Ontario and your grandchildren uh, to come here? And, and he said, as he said with most of his ministry transitions, that well, we, we, we prayed about it, we, we committed to the Lord, and when he spoke to us that this was his call, like we, we had to obey. What other option is there? And so, friends, as you are seeking God's guidance, do not neglect to commit it to prayer. Jesus did. Seek the face of the Lord and his favor. We also do need to consider from this passage Jesus' work starts with prayer, but also Jesus' work involves people. He is choosing his apostles, his messengers from his disciples. And I think there's glorious truth in this beautiful truth about these guys, mostly in their simplicity and their diversity. We know a lot of things about a few of these guys, like Peter, the fisherman, Peter the rock, uh, Peter, uh, the disciple who often spoke too loudly, Peter who preached uh, in, in the book of Acts, Peter who wrote First and Second Peter, there's lots of details in his life there, but some of the guys, they're just in this list a few times, or barely more than that, maybe like a few lines in the gospel, and that's it, that's all we know. Like Simon He's just in the list. Not Simon Peter, the other Simon. Just in the list, that's all we know. Tradition tells us that he preached in Persia, uh, was tortured, sawn in two. That's how he died. But we know very little details of his life. Uh, And that is what we see over and over and over again in the Bible. These lists of names, a few we get to walk with in the scriptures and see God's grace work in detail uh, in their life. But for every David or Abraham we have, we have hundreds of people, we have their names, and no details in their lives. Yet they're recorded there for us. Yet they are part of God's family, his nation. That should give glorious hope to, to you and I that God would use unremarkable people. People who are maybe utterly boring or the details of their lives would not fascinate you. People like me, people like you. God uses. He does not overlook. He adopts them. He makes them his own sons and daughters and uses them mightily for his kingdom. So many unnamed people. That's hope for you. And that's also hope like for one another. That person you may pass over as unworthy, that you may judge quickly in your mind, that you might think, well, they're not really 
cut out for ministry. They're rather unremarkable. Those are not the kind of people that Jesus passes over. In the spirit, we should prayerfully consider what vital part they play in the family of God. For we are members of one another, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's glorious hope. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So if you're here today and and you feel, I am weak, I am not strong, I am dumb or foolish, I am not wise, I am lowly, I am despised by this city, God chooses the likes of you. If you come to Christ in faith and repentance, he gives you his strength, his beauty, his wisdom to totally demolish the kingdoms of worldly wisdom that we have. Not so that you could boast, but you can boast in the mercy and the grace of God. I pray that you know that hope. God uses unremarkable people, but God also uses diverse people, right? Like in in this list, we have fishermen. In in this list, we have a zealot. In this list, we have a tax collector. And, And those two categories just like blow my mind if you think about it in the last like two years, a zealot and a tax collector. Now, zealot might just mean someone who is like zealously religious, for Jesus, or, or, or for God, or Yahweh, in, in the, um, the, the Jewish um, tradition. So Yahweh at the time, uh, the Father, as Jesus was just appearing on the scene. But Zealot also could be referring to this political group that was just kind of like, um, or I shouldn't say political, anti-political government, um, anti-government group that was just really getting its feet under them, the Zealots. They would go to any means necessary to overthrow the Romans. They wanted nothing to do with this government uh, that was over them. And then we have a tax collector. So really, if we were to like look at that in like the last two years, you would have somebody who probably was in Ottawa with their truck, anti-government, anti-vax, in the convoy, not moving, and then you have someone who worked for that government. And Jesus says, I want you and I want you to be my disciples. And he brought them together. I think there would have been like a ton of interesting conversations of those two guys working out the grace of, their God, of God in their life and their opinions and their perspectives. In the world, they should have hated each other. But that's not the church. There has to be room for diversity that God would bring into his kingdom different ethnicities, people who vote differently, who have different incomes. Our church should reflect that, that God brings in diverse people. 
We need one another, and we need people who do not look like us. We need all of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. We are not lone rangers. Jesus did not carry out his ministry by himself, but he called 12 sinners and more disciples to himself to carry out the birth, the growth, and the triumph of his kingdom. He calls us. So we must depend on each other for our big decisions and the multi-million little decisions and details of our lives together. We are created for one another. We are created for the community, created for the church. Jesus' work involves people. Jesus' work was filled with prayer. But Jesus' work, we have to see as he starts his public ministry, was not without pain. That last guy there on the list. Maybe it's one of the names that sounds the most familiar. The end of verse 16. And Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Imagine this Jesus praying all night Father, help me pick my 12. Father, these are the names I'm praying over that I'm giving to you. I I pray everything goes well. I don't know that that's exactly that last part. I just pray, God, everything goes well. There's no pain here. I don't know that that's how Jesus prayed. Because of John 6, 64, it says this, Jesus' words, but there are some of you who do not believe. And then like parenthetical thought from John, from the Holy Spirit, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. Jesus knew Judas from the beginning. So perhaps he's on that mountain praying for Judas, Father, I'm calling the one who will betray me, who will kiss me, who will hand me over to death, see my arrest, the one who, because of his involvement with me, will kill himself because of this betrayal. Father, these three years of walking with him, God, I commit every minute of them, Father, every minute of them into your hands. Jesus prayed all night long, and Judas was still part of God's perfect, the Father's perfect plan for Jesus. And Jesus was perfect. So like, why I'm emphasizing this is don't think if you stay up all night to pray like Jesus, that everything's just going to go exactly how you wanted to in your depraved mind, your mind that's still working out the grace of God and not perfectly understanding the will of the Father, don't feel that you will be free and exempt from pain and suffering. That could be part of the Father's perfect plan for you. If the father's perfect plan for his son did not negate pain and suffering and the impact of sinners around him directly, it will for us as well. We are following him, the master. But here's the beauty of this. When the father looked at Christ and pain was included, the pain of Judas was included, The purpose of Jesus' pain was to be more like us. The purpose of Jesus' pain 
was to identify and know what it is like to live in this world with the temptations we face, with the hurts from others that we face, with the elements, and finally on the cross to know the weight of sin, being born, being felt, being realized, being suffered for. He took on our pain and suffering, and that was the purpose of his suffering. Uh, also to demonstrate, as we, we, we've talked about already, that, that he was perfect. Uh, we, we have a perfect high priest, it says in the book of Hebrews, who able, is able to sympathize with us, who knows our every pain and weakness. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And, you know, he really, really knows temptation if he's not the one who pathetically gives in after 30 seconds uh, like us. He knows the weight. He knows pain to identify with us. Just as the priest represented the people in the Old Testament, Jesus represents us to the Father. But the purpose of our pain that the Father would give us as believers in your life is to make you more like Christ. So you see, we will know more what it is like to have communion with the Father. We, we were singing this, those last two lines, I think the last songs, that we are partakers of the, the sufferings of Jesus, so we'll also share in the glories of Jesus. In fact, the sufferings are kind of this guarantee, this, this assurance, this down payment that, yes, we are in the faith and we will be someday in heaven where there is no more pain, where this has all been worked out and all things are new. So do not this week fall into despair. You may take my advice, but way more beyond that. You may take the example of Jesus in the text. Whether it's a big decision agonizing you or you're just waking in the morning and before your feet hit the ground, you're committing this day and all of its decisions to the Father. It might not go well. I don't know the pain you will experience this week. I don't know the joys you will experience. But don't think, oh, I prayed about it. There should be no pain. There is a purpose if pain comes. You are not abandoned. The Father, as it says in Romans 8, 28, is working out all things for your good and for his glory. So pain will be, at times, part of the journey as you set out to do ministry, as you set out to reach neighbors for Christ, as you set out to go to work uh, this week, our hearts cry out for the redemption of all things, and it's coming, but there might be pain still on this earth. So Jesus' work, it was not without pain. Lastly, Jesus' work is an appetizer of God's transforming love, of God's transforming power. Jesus' work is an appetizer of God's transformation I love these verses at the end, just these little details, and it's moving into the Sermon on the Mount. His first big sermon, uh, Luke would have us see, after the calling of his disciples. And, and the people are, are coming to him as he's come off the mountain. They came to hear, so they're coming to hear the Word of God, which is great, just like you have come today to hear the Word of God. That's, that's a good rhythm for us to be in, to, to hear Jesus. They come to hear him, but they also come for healing, it says, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits, they came to be delivered. They were cured, it says. All the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. 
Love that last word. All those who came to Jesus found healing that day. Everyone who touched him, everyone who believed in that power, the power of the Son of God, healed from their diseases, cured from demonic possession, renewed as they heard the word preached. Now, this is hope, friends, for what Jesus does in our lives. He heals. He transforms. He defeats demons. He's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is the conquering king. And just as we see the sufferings in this world are kind of the glimpses of glory, just as contractions, as, as kicks from inside are glorious signs that new life is coming, so it is with all of the transformation God does. And we rejoice in that when he heals, when he delivers, when he transforms people, when he brings them from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and gives them new life and a new heart again. We rejoice in these little glimpses even if they are small, even if this is a long and slow process with some, because it is the hope for us that God is making all things new. And friends, we have that hope. We have that hope even with our diseases that we will be healed. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all of my diseases, who forgives all of my iniquities. How is that true, though, when people still die? Two months ago, my uncle died of COVID, believer in Jesus. How is that verse true, that he heals all of our diseases? Because it has a focus, and I pray for the healing of disease in this world. I think we should, but we have the hope of heaven, that if it be not in this world, we are going to a place where all things are made new. And just as Jesus begins his ministry, it's really a taste of what will be ours, an appetizer of what will be ours for all of eternity. John says in Revelation 21, 3 through 5, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Christian, that is your hope. That is your hope. So we go to God in prayer, just as Jesus did, going to his God, his Father, in prayer, knowing pain will be here on this earth, but knowing it will be transformed for the glory of God. That is how Jesus starts out his ministry, a message of so much hope. And I would, I would ask you, if, if you don't know that that hope is yours, I would love to talk to you more. 
Uh, I know the members of this church would love to talk to you more uh, before you go this day and, and tell you how that hope can be yours. Uh, but by, by no, no good work you could do, but by believing in this gospel, trusting in faith in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the glorious example of Jesus, that what we are doing right now, right now, he did when it was difficult. Staying on the mountain all night long, praying even for the one who would betray him, going down from the mountain, probably tired, and serving and teaching, depending on your spirit, even in the midst of potential exhaustion, healing God, power going out from him for the salvation of many. Thank you for the example we have in Christ. So fuel us to pray. Fuel us to endure suffering. Fuel us, God, to depend on you. Fuel us to walk with others, knowing someday, God, how we will be walking with all the saints in a place where all the pain is removed, and we can talk to you face to face. You will be our God, and we will be your people. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ for this hope. Amen.